Funding for WPLN News comes from you, our listeners, and Bernstein Private Wealth, working with creators and innovators to invest with intention and build the legacy they want to leave behind. More at Bernstein.com. I'm Khalil A. Colonna, and this is Nashville. Since it was announced in the fall, there has been a lot of buzz in town about the proposal to build a new enclosed stadium for the Tennessee Titans on the East Bank. The price tag? $2 billion. The Titans say that their current home, Nissan Stadium, is out of date and requires a long list of fixes and expensive renovations to keep it in first-class condition as required under the current lease with the city. Mayor John Cooper and the Titans have been working on the deal, and now it will be up to the Metro Council to decide what the future holds. Later this hour, we're bringing you a special Citizen Nashville, where council members, the mayor's office, and the Titans answer your questions. Join the conversation by tweeting us at This Is Nashville. But first, we're going into the world of the February Nashville Artist of the Month with our friends from WNXP. Rap Ferreira has been associated with Chicago and Maine, and now he calls Nashville home. He's an enigmatic nerdcore rapper. No one track can totally do him justice, but here's a taste. Abominism's main function is to unite the soul with oatmeal cookies. Abominus love love, hey hey, drink drink, smoke smoke, live lives, die death. Abominus writers write nothing, or they write and write. Abominus poetry, in order to be completely understood, should be eaten. Except on fast days, slow days, and mornings of execution. Abominus could be a color, they'd be green and stuff. They go around telling everyone to go. I'm crazy abominus, crazy unabominus, these proxy kicky tricks, you know what I'm talking about? It's like a metric. All right, that's Abominus the Manifesto by Rap Ferreira. Here to peel back some of the layers of this artist's work, we've got WNXP's assistant program director, Justin Barney. Justin, welcome back to This Is Nashville. Hey, Khalil. Thanks for having me. Yes, sir. Good to have you here. Okay, so we first mentioned for back in December when you were on and said his latest record was near the top of your music list yeah. for 2022. What makes him stand out? I think one thing that really makes him stand out is the subject matter that he talks about. Like that song that we were just listening to, Abominist Manifesto, that is him, he's literally reciting the Abominist Manifesto, which was a poem that was written by black beat poet Bob Kaufman in the mid-1950s. And it's like, uh, Rap Ferrer, he cares a lot about lineage and history. And he is like, all these beat poets, nobody talks about Bob Kaufman, black beat poet in San Francisco in the 1950s. And he wants to like to shed a light on Bob Kaufman, but also he's like he sees himself in Bob Kaufman and is like Bob Kaufman was an uncompromising poet. He didn't he stopped doing readings. He was like, I'm not going to do readings. I'm going to shout my poems on a street corner because mm. that's what it is to be an artist. And it's art above everything. And that is like Rap Ferreira at his core. He's like, it is art that comes first. This is not this is not an economy that we're doing. We're, I'm not making money off of this. It is I'm doing it. Art for art's sake. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, you know, where is he now? That's where he's at now as a mm-hmm. rapper. But, you know, he's been on the winding path up to this point. Fill us in. Like, did he have a quote-unquote quintessential breakout moment? He has had a long and winding life. Um, I think he had, like, a couple. I, I sat down with him for, like, two hours, and we had this this one conversation where he talked about, like, how he found his voice. And he was like, 
He was like, in high school, he was like, I was in a rap battle, and he was like, I won the rap battle, but this guy beat me up for the things that I said. Mm. And he was like, this guy beat me up because I said all this like this stuff about his his like people that he cared about. And he was like, I took him to my dad and I was like, yo, this happened. And he was like, my dad was like, well, you better mean everything you say. And mm. so then he was like, I thought that I, I, I need to mean everything that I say. And so then when he was in college, he started a blog and he released this mixtape. And then the needle drops, Anthony Fantano picked it up and was like, this is my rap album of the year. And then he got signed to this record label. And that's when he kind of took off as Milo. But then, like, record label stuff happened, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And he was like, stuff was bad there. And then he was living in L.A. And then he moved back to Milwaukee, kind of, like, started his own thing. And then he ended up living in Maine for a while. All right. So later, Rap Ferreira ends up moving to the island off of Maine. What was he doing out there? Yeah, he moved to an island off the coast of Maine where he opened a record store called Soul Folks. And he was like, I, I opened up on an island off the coast of Maine. He was like, I wanted to be a very pro-black store so I could have his son there and so that they could play records. And he kind of had this idea. He was like, he was like, you know, the butchers got a butcher shop. The mechanics got a mechanic shop. He was like, what does the beat maker have? And he was like, I guess the beat maker has a record store. And so he was like, we wanted to open up this record store to create this beginning to end kind of thing of what it is to be a musician and a rapper. And I got, I actually got a clip of him kind of giving this explanation in the very like fun way that he explains things as an artist. Beat makers, we sample and flip stuff. And it was a good way to keep a constant stream of new vinyl used coming in we're converting it to rap and then putting it back out on the shelf and selling it it was like some ill we're boiling the bones to make broth we're using every part of the animal we've made a nice wallet out of the skin like you know like we're we're wasting nothing as as people participating in rap we're really like maximizing the juice and it's it's like that. That's like a farm to table approach to music. Mm. You know, like <laughs> we get the music in, we listen to the music, we make music from the things we're inspired from. We print the music, we release the music, we sell the music, we get the money, we buy the music. You know, like that is what I really love about Rap Ferreira as as an artist. Uh, back in the early aughts. When I lived in Los Angeles, mm -hmm. I worked at a record store, and we mm -hmm. would do the same thing. We'd take the records, borrow them, sample them, and then return them and sell them. That's it. It's a brilliant idea. It's sustainable music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so we know we've trapped Rap Ferreira's many stops on the way to Nashville, but there's another part of him that probably even harder to keep track of, the many names that he has <laughs> gone by over the years. And that kind of feels like a egregious mistake if you want to build a following. <laughs> But, yeah, you know, is there something that we can learn from why he's done this? Yeah, I was like, he's changed his name five times. Um, and I was like, you know, if you talk to anybody in the music industry and you, you, they will tell you to not do that. And he was like, well, he was like, well, it's never been about success. He was like, it's, it's not it's not about making money. He was like, it's about being uh, it's about being an artist. And these artists, they are different faces of who I am. So he has been Runic. He's been Azimuth. Mm. He's been Flo's and Millie. He's been Milo, which was like kind of like the large, big part of his career. And he's been Rap Ferreira as he is here in Nashville. And he also has been going by this project named Crow Billiken. And he is in Nashville now. And he's like, he's really trying to be inspired by Nashville and this city. And so he's been doing this 100-year-old blues project um, 
where he goes under Crow Billiken. We've got a song from him doing that. Okay. Part of Rap Ferreira being uh, an artist. Mm-hmm. He's like, you know, he, you, most people will think of him as a rapper, but he's like, no, I'm going to do this thing too. I'm going to be who I am constantly. And that's who he is as an artist. Sounds like he's got a ton of confidence mm-hmm. and intention that goes into everything he's really doing now. What in his music makes it stand out to you? It is the way that he says words. And I, I know that that sounds like that's what a musician does. But as, as a wordsmith, Rap Ferreira is an artist of uncompromising whimsy. Mm. He is, the way that he says words is fun and it is playful. And we've got a clip here of him and the way he says horseshoes that I just love. I challenge you to a game of horseshoes. Like, oh, that just sounds, (laughs) like it just sounds great. Like it it sounds so perfect. Um. So I got that from Arrested Development. Shout out, them. Headliner, I challenge you to a game of horseshoes. A game of horseshoes. Why horseshoes? You know? I have no idea, and I've always wondered that, and, like, horseshoes being a symbol of luck, and, like... Right. Right, you've played horseshoes. Yeah. Yeah, right. So it's like, even that, you kind of got to be ill. You got to be coordinated. You got to be of right mind and body. Like, it's so specific. It's like, I challenge you to something that only I'm going to win. I challenge any... I challenge any billionaire, any billionaire, I challenge any bootlicker to a game of horseshoes, a game of horseshoes, a game of horseshoes. All right, but before we got to go, tell us, what's next for Rap Ferrer? So he's got a show this Sunday. He's got a show at Dark Matter on this Sunday, and you'll hear the voice of Uncompromising Whimsy uh, at Dark Matter. And also, so when he opened up that that record store on an island off the coast of Maine, it was called Soul Folks, and it is still going strong in Maine, but he's going to open up a record store here in Nashville, and he wants it to be a place. He's like, he has, he has two kids, and he was like, I wanted this to be a place where my kids can be. Next door is going to be a place that does Magic the Gathering. And he was like, we want to be a place where we'll have a microphone. And he's like, there's not a lot of places in Nashville where you can say, I'm a rapper and I want to rap. And he was like, I want to make that space. I want to have a space for everybody and a space where you want to rap. You can come here and rap. So he's opened up Soul Folks Record Store and Performance Area here in Nashville. Justin Barney is Assistant Program Director for our sister music station, WNXP. You can catch all of his coverage at WNXP.org. Justin, thanks for as always for being on the show. Thank you, Cleo. We have to take a short break. When we come back, we'll talk about the pros and cons of the proposal to build a new stadium for the Titans with two Metro Council members. What do you think of the new stadium plan? Tweet us at This Is Nashville. We'll be right back.
I'm Khalil A. Colonna, and this is Citizen Nashville. We've talked a lot here at WPLN News about how to serve you, our communities, better. So a few times a month, we're bringing you a special hour we're calling Citizen Nashville. Our goal is to answer your questions, round up resources for you, and make sure our leaders hear your needs loud and clear. Today, we're talking about the new Titan Stadium deal. Last fall, Mayor Cooper's office and the team announced they'd reach an agreement to build a new stadium on the East Bank. The cost? More than $2 billion paid for with state money, a new hotel tax, and revenue from the stadium campus. And around the new stadium, the city would develop a whole new neighborhood on the East Bank. Again, we want to hear from you, so tweet us your questions at This Is Nashville. Since the Metro Council is set to decide the future of the proposal, we've invited two members on to talk about it. Brett Withers is council member for District 6, that includes the East Bank, and Bob Mendez is council member at large and chair of the East Bank Stadium Committee. Thanks to you both for being with us. Welcome back to This Is Nashville. Thanks Thanks for having us. Good to be here. All right, so council member Withers, We had you on the show back before the plan was announced, and you talked about some of your hopes for the stadium site. You voted for the term sheet. Why? I believe the term sheet uh, is a good starting point, at least at that point, for ongoing discussions and diligence about the things that the community has said that they want, um, which includes, um, uh, obviously, the stadium itself, but surrounding the stadium, we do have uh, other uses that the community hopes to have. And uh, in order to design those things that the community says that they want, such as transit, such as affordable housing, parks and green space, uh, we have to kind of make a decision about where the stadium is going to be located. Now, the East Bank Stadium plan that we worked on for with the community for about 20 months uh, initially had the stadium being in its current location. Later on in that process, we had the possibility that it opened up of relocating the stadium slightly and redesigning things. So that plan can work either way. But uh, as we are moving toward a procurement process where we hope to work with a master developer uh, to to help build out the things that the community has identified that they wanted, the council kind of needs to pick which location is it going to be. And I felt as though the uh, term sheet that we voted on uh, captured a lot of things that the community said that they wanted, while also leaving open some uh, additional negotiation, which has been gone ongoing for a, a couple of matters. One of the things that, um, that I think that uh, came out of that discussion for the term sheet actually was a desire from some of our council member uh, colleagues, in particular from the Women's Caucus, to have a little bit more focus on uh, gender equity in sports, for instance. And so that was something that came out of that discussion. Uh, a couple of months back that that I hope that we can revisit uh, in the next month or so. Let me ask you this. What is the advantage of relocating the stadium? Well, uh, from a design standpoint, um, I, you know, again, the, the East Bank plan can work uh, either way. But when you look at the opportunity to uh, build a district stormwater improvement system under where the, the stadium is today along the riverfront, obviously, the more room you have, the better of a stormwater management facility you can have. So mm-hmm. that pro- provides some uh, public health, safety, and welfare benefits uh, for a better design facility. You can provide a kind of a central park or green space on top of that, uh, which is, uh, I think, again, better designed and al- allows greater public access. There's a possibility that 
um, if we're going to apply for federal funding for transit, which we hope to build uh, through that, that the transit line needs to be a certain distance away from the stadium uh, in order to meet some kind of federal guidelines uh, that, that surround that. And if we were to have uh, that, that transit line be shut down constantly for events at the stadium, then, then that would not only not serve the people well, but not help us to attract it. So there are, there are some logistical benefits that if you relocate the stadium uh, a, a little bit to the east toward the interstate, you would have a little bit better traffic management from the interstate perspective, but also it would make it a little bit easier to design uh, a multimodal boulevard that includes dedicated bus rapid transit that would have service without uh, a lot of interruption. Okay, now, Councilmember Mendez, you've been vocal in your opposition to the plan. What are your concerns with it? The biggest top-line concern is that for a generation, the fundamental deal has been that um, city leaders have said, let's build an A-plus fantastic downtown, and that'll help us pay for the things we need to do as a city. And that promise has been broken for a generation. We do have an A-plus downtown, and we still have schools with water fountains that don't work and roads that don't work and garbage that doesn't get picked up regularly. And my concern is that this is just another step in that same direction where there's been broken promises for a generation now. Now, you're the chair of the East Bank Stadium Committee. Are you clear on how much this plan would cost? Well, uh, I'm clear on the minimums. Um, it's going to be $760 million worth of revenue bonds to build the stadium, some untold hundreds of millions of dollars worth of tax money for future improvements. Um, we've got at least three quarters of a billion in what's called the capital improvements budget to build the streets and roads and sewer for a new neighborhood. Um, and every drawing they've got of the East Bank has the PSC metal site gone. Um, which in order to that for that to be gone would be another couple hundred million dollars. So there's not an exact number, but a lot. So is this ambiguous number like part of the concerns you have? Um, definitely. I think that, uh, and I've been clear about this, I think the administration is consistently exaggerating the cost of renovating Nissan Stadium and consistently underplaying the cost of building a new neighborhood. And that's unfairly putting a thumb on the cost-benefit analysis for the public. Now, you mentioned the renovation of the new stadium, and that's been a big point about upgrading Nissan Stadium. And that deal was struck in 1996 when Nashville was, let's be honest, in a very, very different place. But Councilmember Weathers, why not just renovate the existing stadium as is? Well, that that is a great question. And frankly, it's something that our Metro Sports Authority, which is sort of the landlord of the stadium, has been looking at for uh, several years now and has been worried about and, and in their public discussions have been concerned about the ballooning cost just of maintaining the stadium. Uh, and uh, so the... Um, the initial proposal that had been out there was to do a renovation, and that cost estimate came back significantly higher than what folks had uh, planned on. So, and just to be clear, and I think Councilmember Mendez would agree with this, that um, the Sports Authority and the state legislature had been looking at uh, a version of renovating the stadium for, for several years and worked with the state legislature to have kind of a sales tax capture um, from within the, the stadium itself and maybe a, a, an immediately adjoining uh, campus 
that would generate sales tax that would help pay for that renovation, at least in part. And what when the cost estimates came back for what that cost is to maintain it, uh, j- just to a current standard, as well as to continue to maintain it through the life of that lease, that number vastly exceeded uh, what folks anticipated that sales tax capture would be. And so that was the genesis of the need to uh, look at the other option. Now, I just want to be mentioned that we did invite the sports authority to be on the show, but they were not available. Council Member Mendez, you know, what do you think of the estimates on renovation? Well, let, let's be clear. The sports authority is essentially under the control of the mayor's office. So you've got the mayor's office here today. The sports authority has no different information, period, full stop. And then secondly, Councilman Weathers um, mentioned a couple different times the estimates to um, renovate the stadium. And to be clear, there is absolutely no number that anybody has put on what our current liability as a city is under the existing lease. There are numbers about the Titans wished for preferred renovation to have all sorts of bells and whistles that are not required by the lease. But nobody here today is going to say that there's a number um, that is what the current metro obligation is under the existing lease. Um, the the mayor's press release back in October claimed it was $1.75 billion. Um, that's been completely debunked. And in the press release they came up with Friday, they pivoted to calling it a tremendous amount. Um, there is no number about what it costs to renovate the stadium, um, the minimum that Metro is required to do under that lease. Uh, a question I have curious about what are the consequences of doing nothing? We get no new stadium, no renovations on the existing building. Councilmember Mendez, what are the consequences? What is the city on on the hook for if we don't take action? Well, right now the lease ends in a couple of years. The Titans have got the right to extend the lease to 2039. They've not done that. So right now the parties have been engaging in essentially a high stakes game of negotiation chicken um, that happens in the business and government world all the time. Um, And we definitely don't have an obligation through 2039 because they definitely haven't extended the lease through then. So the negotiation continues. The the reality is that there isn't a, a stadium in America in the last 10 years that has as high a percentage of public dollars that is what is what is proposed here. The proposal to have $1.2 billion of um, state and local money to build a new stadium is by far higher than anything that's ever been spent of public money on a stadium. And so the alternative is we keep negotiating. You said it was like a game of high stakes chicken, you know? What if the Titans call the city's bluff possibly, and at the end of this contract decide to relocate. There's other cities around who would love an NFL franchise. Sure, and the NFL's got a long history of they left Baltimore, L.A., San Diego. I saw Baltimore leave. I was a kid. I watched them in that morning. Houston, um, St. Louis. So the NFL's definitely capable of leaving the city. Now, I, I believe... Um, that the Titans enjoy being here. I also believe they enjoyed being in Houston. Um, I don't think that we as a city um, and state should set an all-time record in the biggest public investment in a stadium off of fear of what might happen. We need to negotiate what's in the best interest of our citizens, not just say, oh, you know, the most anybody's ever spent is $850 million. Let's add 50%. Let's have $1.2 billion of tax money, state and local, on a stadium. If you're just tuning in, this is Citizen Nashville, 
and I'm your host, Khalil Ekelona. We're talking this hour about the $2 billion proposal for a new Titan Stadium with Metro Council members Bob Mendez and Brett Withers. Send us your thoughts at This Is Nashville. Okay, so I'm wondering, we, you know, we heard about this hefty price tag, you know, but the $2 billion number includes everything that the city will be on the hook for. Is that true, Councilmember Mendez? Well, that's the number for the term sheet. The The team uses the phrase drip line, basically meaning where the roof extends to. $2.1 billion is to build inside the drip line to build the actual stadium. It doesn't include the new neighborhood. It doesn't include anything outside what what the parties are calling the drip line of the stadium. Does parking for the stadium fall under that drip line? Absolutely not. So parking would be funded by the city or this, and this not in this agreement, obviously? Part, the term sheet says parking's... 2,000 parking spaces are provided by the city at the city's expense with the team keeping the revenue from the spaces. All right. So whatever this final number is, I want to talk about how the city plans to pay for this. Council Member Withers, can you break that down? Well, um, the governor uh, put $500 million into his budget, which the state legislature passed. It had a lot of debate in the state legislature. However, if you watch those deliberations, uh, a lot of the General Assembly members from throughout the state uh, felt that this was in the interest of the state as a whole and in many cases of their constituencies because a lot of times folks do come to Nashville and then from Nashville they spread out into the state and they go visit and spend spend dollars in their jurisdictions and so th they're generating sales taxes in their jurisdictions off of that. That's a lot of the reasoning that you heard from the members of the General Assembly for that. So $500 million did pass, so that is uh, a large uh, uh, amount of dollars that is not available with a renovation. The other uh, major piece is uh, that the state legislature approved a 1% hotel occupancy tax um, that, again, is only available uh, for a new enclosed stadium uh, and would not be available for a renovation. Uh, I'm not a finance expert, but I think a round number that folks estimate is that that would generate about $20 million a year um, with that additional 1%, uh, which, again, is only uh, available for a new enclosed stadium. There would be some degree of sales tax capture from within the stadium as well as within a district that the Metro Council still has to define. It's my understanding that the that sales tax capture district cannot cross the river or the interstate, so it would not be capturing sales taxes from further out on five points or things like that. Um, Metro Council still has to define what, what that boundary would be if we move forward with an agreement. And partly because of that, um, it's unclear how much that would generate uh, another factor in the, in that sales tax capture piece is that um, most of the area around the stadium is pretty much undeveloped. We do have a new La Quinta and another hotel and a gas station, but mm -hmm. otherwise within the immediate campus, there's not a lot of uh, business that's generating sales tax today. And presumably when that uh, would, that would not come online until presumably if you did build a new stadium, then you would take down the old stadium, then you would begin to have this. So it would be several years before you would have that. And so the sales tax piece is undefined at this moment. Mm -hmm. However, it's my understanding from the Titans and uh, discussions we've had about the stadium that, that the sales tax piece is not anticipated to be a major uh, percentage of, of those dollars. What about the city? How much is the city on the hook for? 
the city is would be would be sort of authorizing for the the hotel piece as well as the sales tax piece. Finance Director Flannery has uh, talked about uh, exploring the option of not having those bonds be backed by metro government. However, that is not uh, yet defined, and mm. there there could be pros and cons in terms of if metro is not doing a backstop for those revenue bonds. Um, you know, how would the the rates on that change? And that mm. again is is not something that's determined at this point. Uh, Council Member Mendez, I want you to comment on those numbers. You know, the mayor said in his plan will not be paid for by Nashville taxpayers. Tell me, how do you see it? Well, I, I don't agree with that. I think that's uh, uh, sort of a puff piece from the mayor. I think taxpayers will pay for it. Um, and there's a great deal of risk about the state money that we should talk about at some point, given the way the state legislature is acting. But um, the $760 million that the state City Sports Authority will sign up for, Metro will end up backing that up. Um, if for no other reason than the state is being very dangerous in how they're treating Metro finances. Um, and, you know, right now there's legislation pending to take away revenue sources for the convention center. And if that happens, Metro taxpayers will directly pay for that out of their property tax money. And that's a risk now with anything we do with the stadium. And then the rest of what we have to consider is um, the the state money, um, $500 million approved last year, has led to now $350 million being approved for Memphis sports facilities. We're about 10% of the state in population, so 10% of that money to Memphis is coming out of our pockets in addition to our share of the state money for the $500 million. And then there's no getting around. Like, I, I work downtown. If I eat lunch today on one side of the river, my sales tax money goes to the Convention Center Authority. Five years from now, if I go eat lunch on the other side of the river, my sales tax money as a citizen of Nashville will go to the football stadium. That's not... It's not magic money to say, oh, it's a sales tax capture zone. And and the mayor's office has consistently played this line between claiming it's building Nashville's next great neighborhood, implying it's not going to be downtown, it's going to be a neighborhood. But on the other hand, saying it's nothing but tourists and visitors who are going to pay for it. The reality is Nashvilleans are going to pay the sales tax that gets captured down there. Well, council member with us, you know, some people have asked about this new neighborhood it being just another tourist area, what do you what do you say to that? It's in your district. Well, uh, at least partly. I mean, the stadium itself is the East Bank. We've had a lot of discussion about that as a whole, and that encompasses also a, a significant amount of District Five. One thing that actually I w would like to remind folks of is that uh, tourist and nightclub and entertainment uses are already allowed in the zoning that exists today, and in, in reality, that area, the East Bank area currently has no residential units at all. Um, so it's not a residential area today. It's part of the downtown community plan. Largely has a lot of industrial uses, but it does have, ironically, a, a history of uh, nightclub uh, and entertainment, particularly for different kinds of minorities. So uh, a, a venue that was around for a long time is recently closed is Limelight, which was a nightclub that was predominantly uh, supported by the African-American community. So that had been there uh, members of the LGBT community of a certain age, and that would be 40 and 40 and up, will remember that there was a very large gay club 
uh, in that area called The Connection uh, off of Cowan Street many years ago, and folks from the region would come to there. So those things, that actually is a little bit of the legacy of the East Bank area, uh, and those uses are still allowed today. But the way that the streets and the infrastructure are designed today primarily support industrial uses, hotels which are being built today, and some of those things that everyone drives in. What the East Bank plan as a whole looks to do is to create a neighborhood street grid where you do have sidewalks, you do have street trees, you do have bike lanes, you have the things that are needed to support uh, residential quality of life, that you do have a uh, East Bank mobility hub that would connect uh, the bike lanes that are planned for Woodland Street, as well as about, uh, I think, more than a dozen miles of new bike lanes that are planned, uh, as well as providing an opportunity for multimodal spine street that would connect uh, bus lines from Dickerson all the way down to Murfreesboro Road through the East Bank without going through downtown. So the infrastructure from the East Bank plan as a whole would help to support turning it into a residential neighborhood as opposed mm -hmm. to its current use, which primarily would support uh, entertainment uses. Okay. Another factor, too, that has been really important has been affordable housing, which we could build potentially on the uh, on the metro-owned land and the East Bank plan. We did a lot of work uh, with the Affordable Housing Task Force to set some goalposts so that as housing would get built on that metro-owned land that is currently surface parking, that we could that we could in those areas put in affordable housing requirements. Okay. Council Member Mendez, when you think about the future impact of this deal, what are your concerns? My concerns are that um, just like people who opposed the current stadium 20 years ago, saying that it was going to be a financial drain, um, that it ends up being a financial drain, there is no way that a new neighborhood or a new party zone, whichever way it ends up being, will be additive to helping pay for the things the city needs to do outside of that district. It'll look fantastic. It'll be amazing. A lot of people are going to make money. The metro government that pays for everything we do is not on the list of people who are going to make money off this deal. That is Metro Council Member at Large Bob Mendez. He was joined by Metro Council Member for District 6, Brett Withers. I want to thank you both for being on with us today. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having us. When we come back, we'll talk with representatives of the Titans and the mayor's office to answer your questions about the proposal for the new stadium. There is still time to get your questions in, so tweet us at This Is Nashville. We'll be right back. Khalil A. Colonna, and this is Citizen Nashville. We've been talking this hour about the $2 billion plan to build a new stadium for the Tennessee Titans. Before the break, we heard from two members of the Metro Council about the proposal and their hopes and concerns as the plan comes closer to a final vote. Now, let's hear from the people who helped put the deal together and have them answer your questions and address your concerns. Joining me now is Burke Nihill, CEO of Our Tennessee Titans, and Ben Eagle, Senior Advisor to Mayor John Cooper. Burke, Ben, thank you for much, so much for being here. Welcome to This is Nashville. Thank you for having me. Thanks for having me, Clue. So, Burke, let's start with you. I'm sure a lot of Nashvilleians are asking, why a new stadium and why now? Well, I, I think this is a 
you know, four or five year journey that's that's culminated with with what I think is a is a great result across the board. Um, but it started off with a really unique challenge, and and what's it's flipped into a really unique opportunity. The the challenge was. Uh, there's an aging building and, and a lease that puts uh, the, the primary burden of maintaining that aging building on the taxpayers of Nashville. And uh, sports authority meeting after sports authority meeting, we'd be asked by the sports authority members, what's what's the end game here? How do we how do we find a way uh, out of this out of this challenging position? And we we've worked really really hard to to find a solution. And and for a long time we we looked at a renovation and believed that that would be a, a, a great long term solution. And uh, as it ends up a couple of years ago, we we realized that actually the the renovation was going to cost more than every, anyone anticipated. The the building was built with construction methods, uh, and and there were just unique challenges to to renovating that building in a way that would be responsible and sustainable. And and so uh, everyone went back to the drawing board and, and uh, entertained the possibility of a new stadium being a part of that solution. And uh, especially with, with the state uh, coming in and, and seeing a vision uh, for uh, the, the, the next step of, of a stadium facility in Tennessee, uh, we were able to, to put these pieces together and ultimately end up with what we believe is a win-win-win across the board, uh, and it includes a new stadium. Okay, let's get to listener questions, shall we? All right, so... Tony Meadows asks, quote, why couldn't the new stadium be built on or agreed on using only privately raised funds? Burke, let's say, you know, Tennessee, the Titans are a privately held company. What's your response to Tony? Well, I would say this, you know, not no, there's no stadium project that's one size fits all. Right. Every every stadium project needs to uh, include kind of all relevant factors. And, and here there, there is this relevant factor of not really starting from from flat ground. Right. It, it has been uh, parties coming together and trying to find a better path forward. And and one that that takes the, the current uh, taxpayer burden and, and ultimately getting getting the taxpayer out of that risk position once and for all. And, and that's exactly what this this does. Uh, there are some really practical uh, reasons related to NFL debt ceiling limits and, and things like that, that that ultimately made it impossible to have a, a, a fully privately funded solution. Uh, but we're really proud of, of the approach of the state and the city and, and, and private resources coming together to find this better path forward. Now, we've heard a bunch of numbers. Do you know how much it would cost to re re-renovate, pardon me, the existing stadium? Yeah, it's so. Th- I think there's a lot of confusion around that point. Uh, the reality is, it's a lot. Um, it, there's there's no scenario in which it's not well over a billion dollars. And then there's also this other question of, you know, how long would a renovation end up uh, lasting? Right, B- built on the bones of, of this this aging facility. Um, we've had studies done. The city's had studies done. Both of those numbers came in at about 1.8 billion dollars. Uh, the reality is, th- there's a, there's a number of different ways to go about renovating a building, um, and none of them them are going to be, you know, less than a billion dollars. It's just where the market is. It's just uh, it, with inflation and construction cl- costs and, and NFL standards. Uh, there's no scenario in which it's not uh, ultimately a really heavy lift. And and again, as as the current lease is, is constituted uh, with a lease extension through 2039, the burden of that renovation would be on the taxpayers of Nashville. And that was not a consequence that the Titans uh, were, were going to uh, put the taxpayers in. Uh, and, and we're grateful for the partnership uh, with the mayor's office, with the sports authority with the state to find a better mm-hmm. way forward. Okay, now we have another listener comment. Eight, Dirk DeJong left a comment on the WPLN Facebook page. Quote, as long as the city gets commercial rent revenue, long-term lease, back from it yearly, I don't see a problem. End quote. Ben, how 
how about that question? You know, will commercial rent cover the cost of the stadium? Well, Mayor Cooper inherited, as Burke has spoken to, this existing challenge that Nashville has had uh, since the very team-friendly lease was signed in the late 90s to lure the Oilers to, to town to become the Titans. And we've known uh, that this problem has sort of been kicked down the road, and the mayor was intent that he was going to be the mayor to work with the Titans and our valued state partners to find a solution here. So while um, the, the rents and the contributions from the Titans and uh, PSL holders and the league, that's not going to be um, the only source of funding uh, when you're talking about uh, building a new enclosed stadium. It's a very expensive project. Uh, but what the mayor has done is, is pulled together a project using $500 million of funding from the state, funding that, that wasn't available to Nashville for any other purpose, as much as we might like to have $500 million in additional funding to go to our schools or our roads. Um, this was funding tagged for this specific purpose of a new enclosed stadium. And the same goes for uh, the 1% increase in hotel tax that's going to be paid for by tourists. And so I know there was, was some discussion in the earlier segment uh, from Councilman Mendez asserting that uh, local re residents are going to be paying a, you know, some, some sort of tax raise. Um, people who pay the hotel and motel tax, with the exception of if, 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 if you take a staycation, um, those are tourists and, vi and, and visitors to town. And so you had an instance where a private industry, uh, hoteliers, were willing to raise taxes on themselves and go push the state to allow that to happen. So when you combine state contribution, hotel tax, uh, sales tax generated by users of the stadium, and then contributions from the team, um, that's how we're solving the puzzle. It's not purely going to be a, a rent solution. Now, you mentioned that Councilmember Mendez was talking about potentially taxes getting higher for taxpayers. Can the mayor's office guarantee that because of this deal, people's taxes will not be raised? It was actually one of the mayor's guiding principles that uh, he wrote an, an op-ed uh, early last year and said that we're not going to be raising uh, a sales tax. We're not going to be raising property tax. And so, yes, if you go to a Titans game, if you spend money on that campus, uh, part of your sales tax, 50 percent of it will go to the project. Uh, the other 50 percent of the local po portion will flow to the general fund. Um, but unless you're uh, spending your money at the stadium or the campus or staying in a hotel here, you're not going to have an, Im an impact. It's much like the liquor by the drink tax that Nashville has. Well, if you don't go to the bar and buy a drink, you're not paying the liquor by the, by the drink tax. Mm. So, yes, if you're going to a Titans game and buying a burger and taking your family there for a game, you're going to be contributing. Uh, but if you watch the watch at home, you're not going to be paying. All right. So Denise O'Brien asks, quote, should the Titans leave Tennessee before the debt is paid or should unexpected circumstances requiring unplanned maintenance occur or if a lack of unexpected funding due to any circumstance occur? How will the unpaid or unfunded debt be resolved without impacting the budgets of other city departments and or requiring additional taxation of Nashvillians? Ben, can you answer that? Certainly a very thoughtful question there. I'll, I'll try to take it a piece our, at a time. Our listeners are the most thoughtful. They are. Uh, the, one of the other guiding principles from Mayor Cooper was to make sure that any agreement with the Titans uh, involved them agreeing to stay here for the long term. And so that's what we have. I know perhaps uh, Councilman Mendez welcomes the uncertainty of Nashville uh, losing its status as an NFL city. 
I don't think that's what most folks in Nashville want. And we saw with two thirds of support from Metro Council for the term sheet last fall, um, how important it is for folks in Nashville to keep the Titans here. So number one, uh, that's off the off the table in terms of uh, the financial security of the deal um, in terms of maintenance. That was how we got in this situation to begin with, was not having a maintenance stream uh, of, of funding to cover repairs and ongoing work on the stadium. And, and so it's fallen into a, a, a state of clearly not being a first-class stadium within the NFL. As much as Mendez would like to maybe prescribe what amenities and features uh, should be in the Titan Stadium, uh, he doesn't get to do that. Uh, that That is a first-class standard relative to other stadiums, uh, and our Titan Stadium, Stadium has fallen out of that standard. One of the great things about this deal is the funding streams that will go to maintaining the stadium well into the future. And were those to fall short, the Titans have have agreed uh, that they would step in and cover. So we're removing, again, a liability that currently is on the Metro taxpayer. And like the listener said, is absolutely competing with other Metro departments if we were to go down a renovation path. Okay, we got a tweet in at This Is Nashville from Kelly. Curious at what the Titans and Burke Hill have to say about the benefit of a new stadium to renters and homeless to the renters and homeless community of Nashville. Estimated 50% of Nashville rents have an estimated an estimated 20,000 are homeless. 8,000 of those are children. How would you justify this obscene amount on a stadium? Burke Look, we've been we've been talking to the community for, gosh, four years, uh, and and asking a couple of questions. Uh, one is, uh, what are the challenges in this community, and and second is, what are the opportunities in this community, and 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 asking where, uh, we're a team like the Titans, uh, with our platform, uh, with our with our relationships can help step into those problems. And I I know we have a limited amount of time, so I, I would welcome uh, the listeners to to go to our website. We've got a one community platform. One community stands for opportunities, neighborhoods, and education, and and it's it includes 17 uh, binding uh, agreements with with 17 great institutions in in this city, from Metro Nashville Public Schools to Corner to Corner Citizens Bank. Uh, trying to answer the questions that, that, that we've heard in the community and, and the concerns we've heard in the community. Um, it's, it's, it's who we are at our, at our soul. Uh, we, our mission statement is literally to win, serve, and entertain. We understand that, that we have a unique opportunity to serve uh, this community, and, and we're, we're just honored to be able to be in that position. The thing I would also point out, and this, this goes a bit to an answer that Ben gave earlier, uh, and maybe contradicts a bit what, what Councilmember Mendez had said. I, I think it, it, there is 60 acres that's coming back to the city as part of this transaction, and there's nothing about the the lease that requires the city to do anything with with that property. Um, ultimately, parking can just stay parking, and and there's no obligation that the city invest in anything else. But I I think. The obvious thing to do with 60 acres of, of really uh, interesting real estate is is that the city pursue the path that they are pursuing, which is to uh, engage with a development partner and make something really special there. Uh, and that really that something really special uh, also is going to be an investment in all of the other things that that a city does. Uh, I, I just without quoting any sort of stats, because there's obviously a lot of, of, of uncertainty in terms of what this would all look like, but mm -hmm. it just doesn't take um, it just doesn't take deep thinking to realize uh, the city, as landowner of 60 acres on the riverfront, 
in, in a, a really prime location is going to benefit financially uh, in a way that, that exceeds by a wide margin the value of the asphalt parking lots uh, that sit here today uh, on a Monday uh, afternoon. And, and there's property taxes that aren't being generated that would be meaningful property taxes. And so one of the things that we've been proud of when we talk about a win-win-win across the board is, is giving this real estate back to the citizens of Nashville for them to develop and, and ultimately reap financial rewards that can go to you know the most important needs in this community. I've got a question for Ben, but I just want to ask you, Burke, real quick. You know, you're talking about kind of uh, some of the effects of a community benefits agreement. We saw what happened with Stand Up Nashville working with the developers and the construct people who built Geodis Park. Are the Tennessee Titans currently in a position to fully invest in a groundbreaking? Community benefits agreement, something that we've never seen before in professional sports, given the concerns about this new stadium. I would argue that we are. And in fact, we've heard that from, from national advisors, 17 different agreements with 17 partners and, and really meaningful investments, some of them financial, some of them, uh, you know, exposure. We've, we've literally, I mean, there's, there have been hundreds of people who have come through our office, uh, community leaders and neighbors. Uh, we've gone to community meetings uh, to listen. And, and this one community uh, platform is, is, a, is our attempt to just really focus on those ways where as a team, we can most uh, specifically deliver uh, a, a really important move the needle programs for this community. We got about a minute left. Ben, what about affordable housing potentially built on these 60,000 acres being given back to the city? It's a priority of the mayor. I think it's a priority of council and it's a priority for the city. And the reimagined East Bank planning process that's happened uh, has made clear that affordable housing uh, will occur, should occur, and it will be considered in the procurement process that's currently happening. One closing note on, on my end is just with all the talk about Councilman Mendez said his alternative, I guess, is to keep negotiating. Well, he's he's been the chair of the East Bank Committee for over six months. And nowhere in that time have we heard any substantive plan about how he would pay for a renovation. So if he's against the new stadium and doesn't believe that Nashville benefits by bringing in half a billion dollars of state investment, bringing in 1% hotel tax from our private partners, and he thinks we should do a renovation, there's no plan that's come forward for how to pay for that. That is Ben Eagle's senior advisor to Mayor John Cooper. He was joined by Burke Nihill, the CEO of Your Tennessee Titans. He, I want to thank you both for being with us. Really appreciate you coming onto the show and answering the listeners' questions. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. We want to thank everyone who tuned in this hour tomorrow. From football to football, we'll talk with one of the MLS and Nashville SC. We'll talk with the superstar, Manny Hani Mukhtar. This Is Nashville is a production of WPLN News and Nashville Public Radio. Listen back at thisisnashville.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Our producers are Steve Harouche, Rose Gilbert, and Magnolia McKay. Our digital lead is Anna Gallegos-Cannon. Michaela Elias is our technical director. Our executive producer is Andrea Tudhope. The masterminds behind our theme music are LaRange and Namir Blade. The conversation doesn't end here. Tweet us at This Is Nashville. Find us on Instagram and let us know what you want from our show by filling out our quick survey online. This Is Nashville. I'm Khalil A. Colonna. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody. And be good to each other. 